Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks very much for tuning in. A little later in the program, we're going to talk with Osama Siblani, the publisher of the Arab American News, about Islamophobia. We are seeing a rise in incidents of Islamophobia, both here domestically and internationally, and they're being described in really different terms, really strange terms, really, when you think about it, than the kind of terrorism that we associate with uh, violence that happens when Muslims themselves commit it. People are not talking about these as terrorist attacks or terrorism. They're talking about them in other terms. Why is that true? And is that unfair? We're going to talk with Ziblani about that. And, of course, we're going to want to hear from you. How do you see the things that are happening happening to Muslim Americans, to brown-skinned people in London, for instance, because they are Muslims? Do you describe this as terrorism? Is it the same as the kind of terrorism we call out all the time when it happens in this country? So, again, you're going to want to hear uh, that segment, and you're going to want to participate in it at 313-577-1019. But first, President Donald Trump may be the most embattled president since Richard Nixon. That has forced other top Republicans to make some really tough political calculations. Do you stand firmly behind a guy with historically low and continually slipping approval ratings, a man who may or may not be under criminal investigation for obstructing an investigation into Russian meddling in our elections? Or, or do you put distance between yourself and that president? That question may be most pressing for one Republican politician, Vice President Mike Pence. In a recent article in Politico magazine, national political correspondent Tim Alberta writes, he might be the most consequential vice president ever. He could well be the next commander-in-chief and the one person in America he can't have thinking about that is his boss. Joining me now to talk about that article and to talk about the odd position Mike Pence finds himself in is Tim Alberta, a national political reporter with Political Magazine. Tim Alberta, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Good morning. It's nice to hear your voice. Uh, I, I thought this was a really interesting article in that, as I said earlier in the show, Mike Pence flies a little bit under the radar in this administration, or is I, he seems to be trying to fly a little under the radar as all of these investigations sort of unearth different dimensions of the questions about Russian involvement in the campaign and then what the president's actions have been since he was elected to either direct or or distract or obstruct maybe that investigation. But but your article really shines the light on him. It really puts him in the spotlight and shows the really difficult dance, I suppose, he has to do, first as a Republican, second as the second in command to Donald Trump. It's an odd, odd position to try to negotiate. It's a very odd position. It's a very, I think, uncomfortable and, and awkward position much of the time, Stephen. I think uh, the vice president is an interesting character. I think in a lot of ways, he's actually better suited to this job than almost anybody in D.C., so many Republicans in D.C. Uh, that I can think of, because uh, I think Vice President Pence really does have um, sort of a, I think, orientation to authority is the way that a lot of people around him put it. And I actually think it's, it's, it's pretty 
it's pretty authentic. It's, it's not something that, that, is, uh, that he carries as sort of a, a facade. He really does, and he had this reputation when he worked under John Boehner and the Republican leadership back when he was in Congress. He really does, Pence, have a, a, a willingness to be the, the loyal soldier, to sort of submit himself to, to the guys who are above him. And so in a way, he is the perfect lieutenant for, for a president who wants the spotlight on himself. We have seen in the first five months of this administration, time after time after time, anybody, uh, any senior administration personnel who have stuck their head above ground and tried to take credit for things and tried to sort of soak in the limelight for a minute, whether that be Steve Bannon or Jared Kushner, or even Ivanka Trump, uh, we have seen them get smacked pretty quickly and brought back underground because that's the way that this president likes it. Even all of the investigations and the potential criminality aside, this is a president who very much wants to stage to himself. And Mike Pence is not only more than happy to cede the stage to, to Donald Trump, but really, when you talk to people in Washington, when you talk to people in the White House, what's most interesting is that Mike Pence and his team are really the only people who, in the day-to-day Washington Palace intrigue narrative of people taking shots at each other and kind of watching their daily stock rise and fall, and they're leaking to the press trying to make other people in the White House look bad, Pence and his team have really been the only group that have stayed out of this and has sort of stayed above the fray. And that has not only sort of kept him below the radar, as you mentioned, Stephen, but it has had the added benefit of really endearing Pence to Trump. Uh, these guys didn't even know each other a, a year ago, basically. And right. suddenly, Pence is viewed internally as, as Trump's staunchest ally and really as his most trusted advisor, which is pretty remarkable for a guy like Trump who prizes longtime loyalty and who is surrounded by all of these people who have known him for 20 or 30 years. Yeah. Uh, one of the reputations that Mike Pence has especially from his time as governor in Indiana, is as this very stand-up, very straight-arrowed adherent to law and order, the rule of law, uh, those kinds of things. And so it's really possible, I guess, to imagine that the things that are being said about the president, the the things that are being insinuated about the president, the things that are being investigated about the president really rub him personally the wrong way. I would imagine that if any of those things that are alleged took place, that Mike Pence would have been one of the people who was most uncomfortable about those things. And at the same time, he's not in a position to be able to stand up or maybe doesn't feel yet like he's in a position to be able to stand up and say, look, this is not okay. This is, this is, this is wrong. And, and we've seen that before. I mean, you think of the people who were vice president at various times for Richard Nixon, uh, the, 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 the people who, who sort of had this, had this obligation to do the right thing at some point, the question was always, when do they feel like that time arrives? Yeah, it's a great point. And I wonder with, you know, it's interesting with, with Vice President Pence, uh, he, part, part of what has endeared him to the president so much is his willingness to keep everything behind closed doors. It was, I, it was very interesting. I was having a conversation with John Boehner, the former speaker, about Mike Pence. And it was known back when Pence was in the Congress, and, and specifically when he served on Boehner's leadership team, it was known that Pence was more conservative than most of these other guys, and that he disagreed with Boehner on a lot of things. But what really uh, made 
uh, everyone, including Boehner, feels so positive towards Pence. And, and really, uh, you know, he sort of came to be viewed as one of their own, even, even though he came from sort of a different ideological universe, was the fact that Pence always kept things in-house. Pence never would go to the press. He would never go to other members. He would never leak anything damaging about Boehner or sort of air the dirty laundry outside of those leadership meetings. And Boehner, the way that Boehner put it to me is he said, you know, I love Pence because he always pissed inside the Republican tent, which is kind of a funny Bainerism. But really, I think that that holds some value in looking at his role in this White House. Even if Pence did disagree strongly with something that the president was doing, I don't know that we would ever find out about it because I think that Pence truly, authentically believes that it is his responsibility to keep any disagreements with the president behind closed doors, not even maybe tell his own senior staff members about it for fear that it could get out. Uh, I have been, it has been hinted to me more than once that there have been disagreements between the president and the that they are always handled in a room with those staff members. All right, so I think we are having a hard time getting Tim Alberta <laughs> to, to the cell service, the cell signal he needs to continue that conversation right this second. We will try to get him back on the phone. Meanwhile, uh, let's let's get the phones going. Uh, I was talking there with Tim Alberta, national political reporter for Political Magazine, about an article he recently wrote titled Man on a Wire. Mike Pence's tightrope act. It is about Vice President Mike Pence and the odd position that he seems to have in Donald Trump's administration. This is a guy who has made his career off of a very staunch conservatism, off of a very traditional value-based political career, somebody who is very respectful of rules, very respectful of the idea of law and order and the rule of law. And yet he is second in command to a man who is accused of undermining all of those things, not only traditional conservative values, but also maybe the law. Uh, What is the role that Mike Pence should be playing? Should he be the loyal lieutenant to Donald Trump? Or should he be someone who stands up, is standing up and saying, hey, this is not okay, this is wrong, and we ought to be better than all of these things? At what point do we see Mike Pence do that? At what point might we see Mike Pence have to step into the role uh, as president of the United States? How do you feel about Mike Pence and the role that he's played as vice president? And here's a really good question for uh, the listeners today. How would you feel about President Pence? How would you feel if Mike Pence Pence had to step into the shoes that Donald Trump has to vacate? If Donald Trump is accused of a crime, if he's charged with a crime, if the Russia investigation unearths something that forces him to resign or uh, encourages the Republican Uh, Congress to impeach him, Mike Pence would be the president of the United States. Do you think that would be an improvement? Do you think Mike Pence would be a better president, somebody who was maybe more measured, somebody who was maybe more thoughtful than Donald Trump? Or do you think Pence and Trump are two peas in a pod? Are these guys too close and Pence is tainted 
by anything that happens to Donald Trump. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. What do you think about Vice President Mike Pence? What do you think about the idea of a President Pence? Certainly something that Mike Pence probably has contemplated even before he was named as Donald Trump's vice presidential candidate. But certainly now, given the trouble that swirls around Donald Trump, it's got to be something that occurs to him every once in a while. What do you think about that? Would that be an improvement here in the United States? Uh, Tim Alberta, I know we have you back now on the phone. we got you better cell service there uh, <laughs> in, in D.C., which, that, which is where I assume you are. Uh, I, I, I want to ask you that question, uh, whether you think – Mike Pence is contemplating or wondering about what it would be to have to step into Donald Trump's shoes. What, is, he, is he the kind of person who is weighing what that would look like uh, or what his role would have to be if that were to come to pass? Well, his advisors have said that, you know, the only thing he's focused on is the president's agenda and, and advancing it and executing it. And that might be true, Stephen, but I don't. I don't ever believe anybody who said anybody who's ever gotten into electoral politics always has their eye on the next job. And for Vice President Pence, there's only one more job above him, and that's the that's the big, the big chair in the Oval Office. And I think the question for Mike Pence, and and what was really interesting is that some of his friends were sort of acknowledging this while I was reporting this story, is that they've all started to think about what they need to do to prepare him to be president. And it seems like he's maybe the one person right now who is not thinking about that, if, 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 uh, if we are to take some of these folks at their word. And I think that it's probably in the vice president's best interest to, to start, uh, at the very least, maybe laying a little bit of the groundwork here. Because, look, it, it, there are a lot of folks in D.C., especially Republicans, who just in the last month or so are, are speculating pretty openly that they don't think Donald Trump's even going to run for reelection. Uh, if, if that's the case, then Mike Pence needs to get ready to run for president in 2020. Yeah. And those preparations need to be underway right now, this minute. Yeah. And even if Donald Trump did decide to run for, for reelection, if Democrats take back the House in 2018, he is going to be impeached. There is no question about it. So Mike Pence has, uh, I think, a much shorter window than anybody realizes if, in fact, there is going to be something dramatic that happens to the Trump presidency, whether from whether externally for, from, from an impeachment proceeding or any sort of criminal issue, or if he di- decides to just step aside himself, either resigning from office or deciding not to run for re-election. Either way, some people in town who have known Pence for decades and are very close to him have started to sort of make some of these arrangements very quietly and, and are starting to you know, lay some of that groundwork because you can't just snap your fingers and become president. But by all accounts, he is almost oblivious to it and is just sort of bunkered down and trying to block out as much of the noise as possible, which is good in one way to help you do your day job. But if, if, if in fact, you might be called out of the bullpen to, to suddenly serve as president, you probably need to start getting ready for that. Yeah. Uh, indeed, from your article, there's a, a passage that I think is really relevant to this point. It says, the vice president in a previous political life made little secret of his aspirations for the top job. His aides now insist it's the furthest thing from his mind that his sole focus is promoting the president's agenda. That is probably true, 
But with every new investigative drip that damages Trump, with every utterance of the I word, impeachment, with every self-immolating tweet, and at the very least with every passing day of this presidency, the GOP will more and more look to Pence as next in line, a reality that his friends privately acknowledge they have begun to reckon with and one that the vice president can't afford to ignore. Again, on the phones, 313-577-1019 is the number. I'm talking with Tim Alberta, the national political reporter for Political Magazine. Uh, he has written an article about Vice President Mike Pence called Man on a Wire, Mike Pence's Tightrope Act. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Katie and Novi. Welcome to Detroit Today, Katie. Hi, thanks Hi. for having me. Sure, go ahead. So um, you had asked the question regarding Mike Pence, and I, I believe that it was shocking to me that he would hitch his coattails to Trump in the first place. Somebody who's so conservative and supposedly so respectful of women, and yet his policies don't show that, um, that he could ignore everything that Trump is. I definitely think he was calculated way back in a little corner of his mind from the beginning that ultimately Trump would probably be impeached and he would be president. Um, and he was willing to do anything it takes <laughs> to save the Republican Party and get the Republican Party in office, even becoming the vice presidential nominee. And now I think that he, he, he's uh, hunkering down and um, keeping quiet, and uh, and definitely all along it was a calculated move on his part. Wow. Katie, that, that's a lot of ascribed cynicism to the vice president. Uh, I, I'm not sure I've heard anyone put it quite that way, but that's a really interesting point. Tim Alberta, uh, speak to that. Is, is Mike Pence that cunning that uh, he knew this would all come crashing down if he uh, accepted the vice presidential spot on this ticket and they won and that eventually he'd end up in uh, the Oval Office himself? Well, if he is, Stephen, I think that we have uh, the plot line of a whole new season of House of Cards. That would be <laughs> that would be uh, quite a set of dominoes, you know, to, to set up and, and have knocked down. Look, I, I think that if you go back to the time that, that Pence joined the ticket, I think what not everyone fully appreciates is the fact that Mike Pence was in trouble in Indiana. Uh, he had signed religious freedom uh, legislation that had, that was that was uh, basically sent the business community into a panic. Yes. It was terribly mishandled. It was it was easily the biggest mistake of his entire governorship, and it really derailed his entire governorship. And he was facing a very difficult reelection in 2016. His numbers were badly underwater all across the state, and it's it's very probable that he would have won because his team had a lot of money in the bank and it was a general election year and Trump wound up carrying the state by I think 15 points so Pence probably would have survived but his governorship was uh, you know almost in ruins at that point so when Trump comes along and says hey would you like to join me on the national ticket Pence looks to him looks around and says well I've got a terrible situation here I've always wanted to be president one day and also by the way the one constituency that is really reluctant in its support for Donald Trump right now are the sort of movement conservatives and social conservatives, evangelical Christians, who I have been sort of a champion for over my you know decade and a half or so in public life. Why wouldn't I help shore up that part of the ticket? I think it was a no-brainer for Pence in a number of ways, and I think absolutely political ambition played a role in that, as it always does with these guys. But do I think that he joined the ticket thinking that Trump would wind up getting impeached and that he would become president himself. 
uh, I think that's probably a bit of a stretch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Katie, again, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Alex in Royal Oak. Alex, welcome to Detroit today. Ah, thank you. Yep. Yeah, uh, I think for the most part, um, there wouldn't be a whole lot of change, I think, in the domestic policy. But I think it would be more um, if Pence became president from the foreign affairs that it might be an improvement. You wouldn't see him uh, pushing foreign leaders out of the way uh, just to get into the limelight. Yeah, I, I think I actually think that would play out somewhat domestically too, Alex. Uh, the, the the sort of boorish behavior that we've seen from President Trump is something that I don't think anybody would suggest. Mike Pence, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, and I'm somebody who sits pretty far across the political spectrum from Vice President Pence. Uh, I mean, I would never ascribe those kinds of things to him, and so I think that would play out somewhat in a domestic. Uh, tone too. I think this is somebody, for instance, who wouldn't be on Twitter all the time assaulting people verbally about uh, the things they say and do. Uh, Tim Alberta, talk about that that difference in tone that we might see with a President Pence. Yeah, there's a huge difference, Stephen, and, and I always sort of get a chuckle whenever I hear someone on the left say, oh, President Pence would be even worse because of his you know views on X, Y, and Z. You know, look, uh, Mike Pence is absolutely far to the right in the modern conservative movement and in the modern Republican Party, especially with his views on social issues. This is someone who didn't want women in the military, somebody who didn't want gays serving openly in the military, somebody who has talked about supporting conversion therapy for, for young homosexual people. So, yes, I get all of that. We, we understand that he is never going to be a favorite of the progressive left. But that said, this is also someone who is universally respected in Washington and was when he was in Congress by people on both sides of the aisle because he is a decent, upstanding individual, somebody who has never, ever been known to attack people personally, who has never sort of taken to the ad hominem politics that we see so often in Washington, somebody who is known to be very committed to his family, somebody who is pretty humble, who, who, who sort of always kind of puts their best foot forward and, and never, I mean, yes, as you just said, some of, some of the behavior we have seen from Trump both here and on the international stage, and certainly on social media. I mean, these are things that you would never in a thousand lifetimes see from, from Vice President Pence. And I think most Democrats who, are, who have been around him and who have been around Washington, they do understand that. I think that, that it's certainly a minority viewpoint, this idea that, you know, oh, Pence, I think Al Franken just said yesterday, oh, Pence would be even worse. I think that's, I think that's crazy. I think that most Democrats realize that they would disagree with Pence on policy. But as far as somebody... Uh, as a representative for the country, they would be far, far, far more comfortable with him in that role. Well, one of the things I think that scares Democrats or other liberals about Mike Pence is, in fact, the fact the 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 difference in tone and character that he strikes with Donald Trump and how that might lead to his effectiveness. In other words, one of the things that I think people have come to appreciate on the left in the last couple of months is the fact that Donald Trump is largely unable to get many of the most radical things that he wants to do done, be partially because of his sort of inept personality and the, the tweeting and all of the, the sort of chaos that he injects into any debate. If you extract that from those uh, situations and put a calm leader-like personality in the middle of it, he might get an awful lot of things done, and that would be worse. I mean, I, I assume that's what somebody like Al Franken is talking about. I think that's absolutely right. That's a great point. And, 
there is no question when you talk to Republicans on Capitol Hill, especially, Stephen, everybody has basically has now reached the same conclusion, which is that this president is sabotaging not only his own presidency, but sabotaging the Republican Party's kind of once in a generation opportunity here to get three or four big legislative wins. The same way that when President Obama had a unified Congress and Democrats controlled all of Washington back in 09 and in 10, that two-year window, Democrats were brutally efficient in passing four or five major pieces of legislation that had basically been on their wish list for a generation. Republicans are now in that same position, but they view Trump as sabotaging their chances to do that. And absolutely, to your point, Democrats realize that if Pence were the guy in charge right now, then they would probably already have health care done. They might be moving in on tax reform. They'd have a couple of other things on deck. There's no question about it that, that a Pence presidency would be, would be more effective in terms of executing legislatively than the Trump presidency has been. Because frankly, we're looking, we're looking pretty closely now at the August recess coming up fast. The July 4th recess is right around the corner. If these folks go into the August recess, if Republicans on the Hill go into the August recess, I should say, without any of these legislative wins in the fall, they've got to handle the debt ceiling. They've got to handle the budget. I don't think, I mean, it's not far-fetched at this point to think that they're not going to accomplish any of these major legislative priorities this year that they talked about. And then when you turn the calendar into an election year, 2018, it becomes almost impossible. Way harder, way harder. All right. Tim Alberta, national political reporter at Politico magazine, author of a recent piece titled Man on a Wire, Mike Pence's Tightrope Act. Thanks, as always, for being with us on Detroit Today. My pleasure. Yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Up next, we'll talk about how Islamophobia shapes the conversation around recent spates of violence. What is terror and what is not terror? We're going to ask that question next on Detroit Today. Mm-hmm. 